We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Honest, I would put myself in the same category as D-Wade. Now our test is jumped over the scorer's table. Our test is in the stands. This man was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. When I go to the writers to tell me who can guard in this league, I'll put a gun to my own head. Welcome to the Rotowire NBA podcast. It is Thursday, October 10th. Nick Whalen. Back with Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, this will be our first episode of many on Thursdays. Uh, as we've done the last couple of years, you and I will be teaming up every Thursday now through the end of the NBA season. Probably we usually peter out about halfway through the playoffs, um, but you'll be back on Fridays as well with mm-hmm. Ken and Shannon. I'll have an episode with James at an undisclosed day throughout the week. It'll be a Monday, it'll be a Tuesday, or it'll be a Wednesday. I don't know which of those yet, uh, but we'll be doing three podcasts per week now. Uh, through the end of the NBA season. A ton to get to today, unlike the last four or five podcasts that we've recorded and just basically scratched and clawed for topics. We have an abundance of preseason topics to discuss. Um, We have a document in front of us that's just loaded with players, information, teams, lineups that we want to talk about. Um, But I'd be remiss if we didn't start at the top with 
Zion Williamson, who has looked incredibly good through two preseason games. He was 12 of 13 from the field last night uh, against Chicago. Um, every single one of those shots was within two feet of the basket. I, I think I read today that on aggregate, his 12 makes added up to like just over 12 feet from the rim, um, which is insane. I think you could, some people will flip that and say, well, he, his jump shot looks terrible. He's been shaky at the free throw line. He hasn't blocked shots. So we haven't really seen him playmaking too much. Right. For one, the Pelicans don't really need him to do that based on the roster construction. Um, but right now it just looks like he's going to be unstoppable when he when he gathers not even at the rim but just around the rim like he's had so many of those finishes it's not like every single one of these is is a roll to the basket and a lob for a dunk I mean it's a gather he's going through people he's going around people to finish on both sides of the rim um again there are question marks you know with basically the areas that we thought he might struggle in he's he's looked a little shaky so far but to me he's looked better than expected uh, against you know vastly better competition Right. And he's been getting, like you mentioned, he's been getting to the rim in a variety of ways. Like he obviously deadly in transition, um, but he's been getting dunks from the dunker spot. He's he had a pump fake and a drive, which I'm not really sure why whoever was guarding him bit on a, you know, three, you know, a three point pump fake. But and I think it's mostly surprising because the Pelican spacing is like not good. Um, and so the fact that, you know, there there's clips of him basically with four from the other night, Chicago defenders in front of him, and he just cuts through all of them yeah. um, and gets a, an easy layup. And, you know, you're right. He's, he's only six foot six, but the second he gets off the floor so fast that you're, it's, it's like shocking. Um, some of the like acrobatics he does in midair, mm-hmm. just the, you know, how powerful he is rising up. Like he basically knocked Alex Len over the other day in the air um, going for a, a dunk that would have, you know, ended social media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's been he's been as advertised. Um, I, I thought he was almost more impressive in the first game, just in terms of some of the wow plays. You yeah, know, the, the dunks. I mean, he was like two two minutes into that game, he had what for most players would be like the best dunk of their career, and it was just <laughs> kind of a a quick little gather and transition, and then that was it. I mean, I, I think the one singular thing that's been most impressive to me is the first step. Um, yeah. You know, he's not going to be someone who's crossing back and forth three or four times going between his legs stepping back you know he's he's kind of had so many of these situations where it's been catch and go right away and he's not traveling you know he's just so quick and so explosive um you know it's it's just going to be really tough for guys who can't match him physically in terms of just bulk and weight and there are not many guys in the league who can I mean we've seen him you know kind of charge into the lane with somebody right on him guarding him well but he I mean, he's going to have 50 to 60 pounds on some of these guys that are switching <laughs> right. onto him. I mean, if you're, if you're 220 pounds, you're, you're a relatively built NBA player. And in compared to Zion Williamson, it's just not going to stack up. So, I mean, physically, we kind of expected there to be, you know, less of an advantage than he had at Duke. And, and so far, you know, eventually that'll come when, you know, when we get into the regular season. But it, it, really does, it really does amaze me how much he still stands out even among NBA athletes. Right. And he's, I mean, he's, he's just going to be a matchup nightmare, even though he can't shoot, which is usually something you, you don't say, Yeah. um, you know, he can, he'll drive on, on bigger guys and he'll, he'll, I mean, I don't know if I've really seen him post up yet. Um, they haven't really needed him to. That's what's, that's yeah. what's strange. I mean, he's doing a lot of this without things being set up for him. You know, they're, they're not, well, that, they're not, yeah, that's the scary part too. He's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, he's kind of being like a super role player right now, which I think is almost the ideal role for him right now i think down the road that's probably not what you want but for this team i think that's going to be perfect right and it it 
it, not so much in a role player sense, but this kind of reminds me of like right when Blake Griffin came into the league and people were like, well, he's just dunking. It's like if you can score 20 points a game just dunking the ball, you're probably better than almost everyone right. else on the court. Um, yeah. the, and, I mean, the, the clear, the easy argument to that is if, if it's so easy, why, why is every player not doing that? <laughs> right, exactly. And, you know, Blake was like a featured role in the offense. I'm sure Zion will get there. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you mentioned, when you watch the highlights, they they just don't seem like set up plays other than when they you know they'll have them try to get ahead of steam and yep. catch the ball at like the top of the arc you know but with, even that's not a play you know in the sense when you right. think of a play you know i I'm, I'm picturing james harden calling for a screen and, and dribbling yes. out the clock you know it's all it's all happening kind of in the flow of the offense yeah uh sticking with the pelicans i, I thought in game one at least lonzo's shot looked much much better i was very skeptical i told you that i mean there were videos coming out over the last couple of weeks um, from the usual suspects, you know, the, the, the Twitter accounts and Instagram accounts that have been all over, you know, Lonzo Ball, LaMelo Ball from the beginning. So I, I was a little bit skeptical, but he, I mean, he came out firing on Monday night, was not hesitant whatsoever. I think he ended up going three of eight or three of nine from three in that game. That was the one against the Hawks. Struggled a little bit more last night. Didn't look quite as comfortable. Um, but I mean, just the fact that he's taking them. I mean, if you remember a lot of the time in LA, it was it, it did seem like he had streaks where he would shoot the ball well. But there were other times, you know, for two, three games at a time where he would catch on the wing and he really wouldn't shoot the ball unless he absolutely had to. And, and it looks like we've kind of seen a new Lonzo, at least in that regard. Yeah, I mean, I would rather him be aggressive. I mean, maybe it'll tank his field goal percentage, um, at least, you know, like for fantasy. But um yeah it's i i feel like the shot does look better like aesthetically um but he is only technically shooting 27 percent. he's shooting right. worse he's shooting 26 percent from the field right now no free throws so that that is still an issue the free throw issue to me is is kind of the underlying thing that's the most concerning i mean the the jump shot it's what, what, what's interesting is it's still kind of the framework of the same shot you know we've seen guys mm-hmm. who've come back with a rebuilt jumper and, and it's clear they've you know they've kind of met with the shooting coach who has you know a, a a predetermined form i guess that he's trying to teach them whereas lonzo it's still like 70 percent the same form that he mm-hmm. had last year and at ucla it's just it's just quicker and it's not quite as dramatic um, but the free throw issue not not that he has to be a guy who's getting to the line seven times a game that's never really been who he is but i mean he would go nine ten games at a time last year you know with either with zero attempts or two or three attempts over that span i mean he was setting records essentially for his position and for yeah. the minutes he's playing relative to how how often he's getting to the line and you know whether that's just an issue of not getting calls not being aggressive not you know seeking out contact in the ways that you should be i don't know but at some point you know that's just if you're going to become a good and productive nba player it's a, it's a really good way to get free and easy points and the fact that he's not a good free throw shooter i'm willing to put that aside for now like i'm more concerned with him I'm not really that concerned with him becoming a great scorer. I don't really think that's, I mean, I'm just assuming it's never going to happen, but to think that he won't be a productive player in the NBA playing the way he playing the way that he plays right now, I, I think he can still be productive. Like he's averaging, you know, throughout his career, he's basically averaged like seven rebounds, seven assists. He can get a combined three steals and blocks, if not more on any given night. Um, you know, it's it's going to be hard. It might be hard once he finally, you know, makes it into the playoffs to see how teams like kind of scheme for him. But I mean, he's a he's a he is a legitimate triple double threat every single mm-hmm. night. Uh, he's a great defender. So I, as long as he can continue being that, you know, the fact that he might shoot forty percent from the field at best and never mm-hmm. get to the free throw line, I don't think it's a huge deal. 
Yeah, I mean, it's certainly not ideal. It, it makes him one of the more unique players and, and kind of similarly to how certain centers require their teams to scheme around them, you kind of have to compensate for that just at the point guard position rather than center. Um, and I, I do think if he can follow the Jason Kidd mold, which you know was was one of the more common comparisons for him coming out of uh, UCLA, I still, I still think he, you know, he's probably not going to be that good, a Hall of Fame caliber point guard. But I mean, Jason Kidd made an All Star team in 1998, played all 82 games. He averaged 11 and a half points a game, barely over 41 percent shooting, barely over 30 percent from three. Um, I mean, he was a much better free throw shooter, but nine assists, six rebounds, two steals. Those numbers seem, you know, a healthy Lonzo, which we haven't seen yet. That's kind of the other thing here: is what is he going to look like when he's not playing in? sweatshop shoes when his ankles are not bleeding constantly like we, we really haven't seen him in a situation where he's fully comfortable so I, I, I'm kind of willing to give him the benefit of the doubt there um, but like you said I, I do think Lonzo Ball as a score first point guard not that that's what he was ever going to be like that's just probably not going to happen I would I would certainly take the under on him ever averaging 20 points per game in a season I was gonna say 15 I mean, yeah, I, was gonna say 15, <laughs> I was gonna say yeah 15 is more of a realistic over under and right you know I mean it's if you're if you're a point guard in the NBA playing 32 minutes a game, getting to th- getting to 15 points per game for most guys is not that tough. But uh, Lonzo's a unique case. But I mean, it's two preseason games. I don't want to read too far into it, but I think I've been overall encouraged just despite the shooting. Yeah. Um, a couple other Pelicans notes: JJ Redick coming off the bench. They're using the lineup. I think that most people thought slash hoped they would. So that's Lonzo Drew. Uh, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, and then Derek Favors. I, I think that's that's kind of like the lineup you would use in 2K. It's the one that has the highest <laughs> right. overall ratings. It makes the most sense. Wouldn't be surprising at some point if, if Redick maybe sneaks his way into that lineup. Um, and certainly he'll be out there, I think, in a lot of late-game situations because, as you mentioned, this team does not uh, have a ton of shooting. Nikhil Alexander-Walker looks yeah. very good. Uh, we ha- haven't seen a ton of Jackson Hayes yet, who's, who was the higher uh, of their two first-round picks. But uh alexander walker looked great in summer league um but we've seen a lot of guys look great josh selby was a summer league mvp um but he's he's kind of picked up where he left off um you you noted here 26 points eight assists four rebounds and three steals per 36 minutes for him so far and i think behind zion williamson he's kind of been the guy who if you follow pelicans people on twitter you know they're they're kind of most excited about what he's shown so far right and they should be i mean he's part of i mean he it it kind of he kind of encapsulates like the amount of assets that the Pelicans have, like how many shots they can take at this thing. And like, you know, if they really like a guy, they can just draft him because they have so many other picks behind him. I mean, and you know, he's at this point, it seems like he's just going to be in full command of the backup point guard spot. Like maybe they I mean, Frank Jackson is probably still in the mix and drew holiday is probably gonna get some point guard minutes, but I, you never know. I mean, he, if he, you, you can't not play him if he keeps playing like this. I mean, he's, he has to be on the floor. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he begins the year kind of on the fringe of the rotation. We've we've seen a lot of that transpire. You know, guys look great in the preseason, and then it just, you know, the, the way the rotation shakes out, there's just not room. But I think he's already shown more encouraging flashes than Frank Jackson has. And Frank Jackson has had extended stretches, you know, last year, I think 10 or 15 games, he was in the starting lineup when, when they, yeah. you know, post-AD and everything kind of went to hell. And he he can score, but he really didn't do anything else. You know, he had a, he had a lot of games where he was just kind of a high-usage Shot, shoot first point guard and I, I don't know that that's exactly what the pelicans want from that position no um, I don't think so. so i think long term yeah alexander walker i mean if you're if you're playing in a dynasty format certainly a guy i would want to keep an eye on uh the lakers looked really good last week against golden state 
They looked a little bit less good this morning um, in China. They played the Nets, lost by three. I mean, these results obviously don't mean a whole lot, but I, I guess I will say I'm a little bit surprised that most of these teams seem to be playing their their real rotations, at least the guys who are who are healthy, um, for like three quarters, if not more, of these games. I mean, you're right. seeing you're seeing good players play close to 30 minutes in preseason games, which maybe this has always happened, but it does it does feel like early on more more you know superstar caliber guys are being thrown out there. Yeah, and maybe it's because of the new team constructions that they want you know a lot of teams want to use the preseason to get more comfortable um whereas in past years that really wasn't the case you know this year was like a new you know a new high for um you know offseason like transactions and everything like that so i think that plays into it somewhat um i wouldn't be surprised like if for everyone's final game of the preseason they just sat everyone i think so yeah um but yeah it's been it actually it's, it's it's been fun like it's been a good preseason to watch for that reason um and yeah i've been for the lakers specifically like i that first game was just so much fun yeah um i i only caught like the the highlights of the brooklyn game i wasn't gonna give up at you know like 6 a.m 7 a.m to watch it not even consider it right (laughs) um i mean there's not a whole lot to say here i mean they're still without kyle kuzma so you know one of those starting spots presumably goes to him but this morning they went davis uh dwight howard lebron rondo and kcp don't love that lineup uh, i don't know why that that lineup was ever tossed out there um but interestingly somebody tweeted out um like kind of the minutes breakdown of who's been on the floor when lebron's on the floor and almost none of uh, troy daniels minutes have come with lebron and to me troy daniels is basically this lakers version of like kyle corver right mike miller those type of guys that he's had in the past so i, th- I thought that was interesting that they I think they've only played four minutes together so far over the course of two preseason games. And the teammate with whom LeBron has spent the most minutes um, in terms of guards and wings is Rajon Rondo, of course. So uh, that seems like one of those things where, like, on paper, everyone is saying this makes no sense. You know, if, if LeBron's off the floor, you want Rondo out there as the creator. If LeBron's on the floor, you want him as the creator. And yet LeBron really seems to love sharing the court with Rondo. It's so strange. I don't. I mean, I understand that LeBron wants someone else out there while he's on the court, so that you know he can take a play off here or there. Like I get that, but you could also just play thirty minutes a game, and you know have Rondo come in when you're not. You could let Anthony Davis do that. Could let, you could, you could maybe play through Dwight Howard. I don't know. Maybe something to consider. Uh, and Davis has been averaging like five point eight assists um, through these first two preseason games. So like the offense is going through him a lot. Um, and yeah, I'm just not really sure exactly what's going to happen when Kyle Kuzma comes back or starts playing. He's got a stress reaction in his left foot right now. Um, I, I just don't know where his spot in the rotation is. I mean, Anthony Davis and LeBron James seem pretty locked in at both forward spots. Dwight Howard and, and JaVale McGee are just going to play center. Um, I wouldn't playing Kuzma at shooting guard doesn't really make a lot of sense since he's not a shooting guard. And Danny Green is there and Contavious Caldwell Pope and guys like that. So I'm I'm pretty concerned like for Kyle Kuzma getting like 26 is he going to play 26 minutes? If he does, he's not really going to be a fantasy option. I I th- I think they'll find time for him. I'm not concerned about that. I'm I guess I'm a little more concerned about him physically. I mean, he's been on the shelf for a long time. I mean, he the, the reason he's been out is is this ankle injury that dates all the way back to pre-Team USA. I mean, it was basically right before they left for the World Cup. Um, and, you know, we're 
not very far from the start of the season. And even if he is back for opening night, he's really not been able to do a whole lot. I mean, this time last week, there were videos of him shooting, but he was putting all of his weight on the non-injured leg. I mean, it still really looked like he was, you know, to the point where he couldn't really run around. Right. Um, so, you know, I mean, for a guy that they're really relying on and someone they were really hoping could make strides this summer, um, I mean, it's kind of a similar situation to, to Lonzo and Ingram, who were out for most of most of the summer, you know, with their ankle and, and blood clot issues. You just wonder what that means in terms of hindering the development that you, you know, the steps that you would have been able to take had you been healthy. So, um, I mean, you, you have noted here, too, that like if, if it doesn't work out with Kuzma for whatever reason, he's kind of the one guy they can trade. I mean, they have other veteran contracts, um, you know, KCP, for example, that contract is built to be traded, but you're not going to trade KCP and get something back. You're, you're using that contract with something else. Um, and that something else virtually has to be Kuzma because they gave up every other asset they have to New Orleans. Right. And I mean, the, the Lakers are like, yeah, they have a log jam in the front court. Their guard rotation is really suspect. So it would not surprise me if at some point they're just like, you know, Kuzma, we can possibly trade Kuzma for an established guard. Not sure. Well, they have Caruso. Right. Um, but I just, I don't know what Kuzma's, I don't know what his value is. I don't know how teams view him. If they view him as like, you know, uh, just a scorer who's going to do marginal efficiency, or if they view him as someone who can average 27 points per game, I don't, I don't know what his value is. I would guess that most teams value him lower than the Lakers do. I would guess that most teams given the chance to acquire Anthony Davis would not demand to hold on to Kyle Kuzma as a condition. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I mean, that's not a position you want to be in necessarily if you're the Lakers being the team that covets your one asset more than everyone else. Um, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I, I think if there's, I don't want to say a scapegoat, but you know, if things, if this team is not looking exactly like a juggernaut 30 games into the year, um, you know, they're, the the Lakers are kind of backed into a corner in which their, their really only move would be to try to flip Kuzma. So that'll be something to keep an eye on. Uh, Ben Simmons, huge news out of Philadelphia hit a three to put the Sixers up by 42 points going into halftime um he needed some coaxing to do it yeah right like well they kind of they kind of didn't give him a choice like he was past the ball with like four seconds left heading into the half and I guess he could have just dribbled it out or tried to get a two-pointer but he was he was it was the perfect situation basically you know like it it, would have been there would have been so much less fanfare if he just hit it you know in the middle of the first quarter like with it being kind of a you know, not a real buzzer beater, but a halftime buzzer beater. I think that kind of added to it. A little disappointed he didn't run and like jump up on the scores table. <laughs> I thought like, <laughs> do like the Dwayne Wade. Yeah, like for a second I was like, I, is he going to do that? I mean, he. I guess to be fair, he handled it you know pretty calmly, but yeah. the whole Sixers team like mobbed him. The fans right. were going nuts. Um, a cool scene, but I. I got to work the next morning and I was you know looking at our projections and I think we have them projected for a few makes this year, but. I'm still not sold that he's going to be like a one three runner a game type of guy. No. Are you talking about one make per game? One or, taken. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I don't it's certainly I, not going to be one made per game. No, I it it would surprise me if he took one more than like every other four games. Like if we haven't projected for like twenty three pointer attempts yeah. and making like four of them, like sure. The um, fact that that's the only one that he's taken so far does not bode well like i would i would be totally fine if he came out and he was one for 12 and from three right. in all these games but it doesn't even seem like making that one really unlocked anything it's weird because it it's not like if he shot like 12 of them 
the like are the Sixers worried? It's like, well, what if we show off that you know, like the secret weapon, Ben Simmons? Oh, no, right, exactly. Like, so what's I? I don't understand. I think. The, well, I think he's still not comfortable, right? I mean, that's kind of what that tells me. I, I would, like I said, I would rather he come out. But it's preseason, right? Showing two just like, you should. Isn't that's that what I'm he's not <laughs> right. comfortable? Like, if he was comfortable, he'd be. He would at least be trying. I mean, Andre Drummond has. Just, I mean, he's looking like Kyle Korver relative to, to Ben Simmons so far. He is extremely comfortable. Did you see his second air ball last night? I'm sure you saw the first one. Uh, I saw one. Well, I saw one completely brick off the glass. The trailer, yeah, that was yeah. incredible. Um, he had one last night. Mercifully, it was it was after a whistle, so oh, it didn't okay. count. But he he like had the ball in the corner and just kind of you know threw up a shot as guys do after a whistle. Sailed way over the rim, not even close. <laughs> so he is 0 for two on contacting the rim thus far from three. Um, kind of a news item, not, not a lot to talk about here, but neither Kawhi nor Paul George have played yet. Not surprising. I, I think we expect to see Kawhi at some point in the next week. Um, Paul George looking like now maybe first week in November seems realistic. Um, but that, that's, it, it does seem like now like the, a return at any point in October is looking less and less realistic, despite there being videos of him training at what appears to be full speed. He doesn't look limited at all. Um, but the Clippers seem pretty committed to the idea that they're going to bring him along slowly. Yeah. Where would you, I mean, I've, I've, we've done plenty of fantasy drafts at this point. Um, where would you, like, how far would you let Paul George slip before you like felt like you had to take him talking like pick 20? I, he went in the third round in one of those mocks that we did. Yeah. Cause he, I'm looking on the NFBKC, um, ADPs right now and his, earliest that he's been taken is nine and the legacy he's been taking is 31 and i feel like you could i feel like you could take him at the turn and that would be fine like maybe i'm, I'm more down on him than most because i've you know I, I value games played a lot yeah. and i think his role is going to be reduced you know with the clippers i'm fine still taking him in like the 15 range you know yeah. if you can obviously if you can get him closer to 20 that's great but I, I don't think you know if somebody took him at even at like 13 or 14 i wouldn't think that's crazy right um did you watch the Blazers game the other night by chance? No. They broke out the new throwback uniforms for a preseason game. I saw the court. They're awesome. The court looks great. Yeah. Uh, it was. They were playing at the Rose Garden though. They weren't playing at oh. Moda Center. So it was because the court said Moda Center. And the whole game, I'm sitting, I, I was watching with the sound off, and I think I had baseball on the other TV, and I was I was just like, what is going on here? Like this is clearly not the Moda Center, right? Like what <laughs> happened? Like it's you can tell because it's an old building where they have like the old school like gym doors where there's just like a wall of oh, that's great doors that have like those push bars <laughs> on them i'm like what I, I just do not remember this at all and then finally i turned the volume up and figured out what happened but um, i have no no news to report from that game other than the jerseys look really really clean i'm all white side look comfortable new. he was hustling he was getting to the free throw line even at times i'm i'm all in on hassan Whiteside this year i've noticed that in in some of our mocks yeah. I, he's i'm rooting for him i mean i if I was a Blazers fan, I would I would be hesitant to like go all in on this, but I I think in terms of like what what the possibilities were to replace Nurkic for three quarters of the season, like you could you could certainly do worse than than chanting it on a guy who's was basically Mitchell Robinson like three years ago. <laughs> right. Um, Michael Porter. He's here. He is here. He the Nuggets that were on ESPN the other night and withheld him from the game until like middle of the third quarter but he immediately came in hit a pull-up jumper looked really good looked really spry um i guess my question to you is what what is the ultimate ceiling for him there was there was a story i, I think in either the denver post or one of the denver outlets that um it, it wasn't a direct quote from mike malone but the implication was 
that the Nuggets, you know, internally the feel is that, you know, if he continues to progress and doesn't get hurt, that maybe by the end of the year, he's their starting small forward, which given the other options on that roster feels pretty ambitious. I mean, he certainly, he's a more talented player than Torrey Craig or Malik Beasley or, or Will Barton or those guys, but I think it would be like he would really have to show something I think over the course of what's probably going to be pretty limited minutes for most of the regular season to justify starting what's essentially a rookie you know going into a massively important you know postseason for a team that'll that'll likely have realistic or not championship hopes right and I'm not I mean obviously they've seen him a tongue in practice so they know better than anyone else especially in this case because we've seen 17 minutes of Michael Porter if I'm reading this correctly Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I mean, I I think you know he he clear. I mean, he has a great jumper. He's six ten, I think. Um, six nine, six ten. Yeah. So you should you know if you can play him at small forward, or even shooting guard at points, like he can just rise up over anyone and hit it. Um, and there's not that many guys in the league that that can do that. Um, you know, when he's got like a smaller defender on him, he just goes up and shoots. It looks like what Porzingis does to people, what Durant does to people. Um, so as long as he's physically okay, and you know his body can hold up then it wouldn't surprise me if he start. I mean, maybe he'd start and see like 25 minutes or something like that. But that, I mean, that would still be a huge, you know, uh, a huge wrench in the, the Nuggets rotation. That's already, you know, like we've said mm-hmm. many times, probably the deepest in the league. And I'm not sure, you know, who gets the short end of the stick there. Um, you know, and if that would result in a trade, which we've also yeah. talked about. And, you know, how much do you trust? Like, would you trade, you know, Malik Beasley and and other guys like that if, you know, do you trust Michael Parker's health enough to clear out some of the other options? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think in the short term, as you alluded to, like it, it might almost create more problems just because, I mean, they're already so talented. They were they were un- unbelievably deep before adding Jeremy Grant. And then, you know, you're adding Michael Porter on top of that. Two guys who, in theory, at least play the same position. Although I think Michael Porter right now is more of a small forward, a little bit oversized for that spot. But he was never billed as a great defender. We never got to see him really defend in college, and right. I don't think you'd really want him defending a lot of NBA fours right now. Um, but long term, I mean, I, I think it would it would behoove Denver at some point to consider trading one or two of these guys because you're not going to sign them all to extensions, right? They're not all going to be Monte Morris, who's being paid a, a million and a half dollars next season, or you know Malik Beasley is making like two point seven mil this year. You know, at some point they're either they're not they're one not going to be able to sign all these guys or or not going to want to so it, it does present an interesting case in that you know how much does he have to show where you can really trust that this is the guy we want to invest in you know over guys who are you know, maybe less talented but more proven um so it will be interesting to see you know because i think they want as much depth as they can for now because they you know they do want to contend right away but at the same time, I mean, they, they do have an opportunity if they play everything right to to make this a team that's, you know, a perennial top five or six team in the West for the next decade. Right. And the thing is, I mean, they don't they don't have like a ton of they don't necessarily have like a ton of young talent that they could try to trade to get an established player. Like wh- even if you want to deal like Will Barton, he's 29. Yeah. Like you're not going to you're not getting a lot of, you know, they're like a tanking team. Like the Wizards are not going to be like, well, you know, best we can get for Bradley Beal is Will Barton. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they would view it that way. I mean, I, I think Beal is a, a really, really interesting fit for Denver. I mean, I think you'd want you'd have to include Barton uh, almost by default for money reasons. But, you know, I mean, you could do Barton plus Malik Beasley plus 
Torrey Craig in a first round pick? Like, is that enough? I don't probably not. It, it doesn't feel that way. Maybe, maybe if you do Monte Morris instead of Torrey Craig, I mean, that's three guys, you know, none of those guys are, are going to become stars. One of them, like you said, is already, you know, probably at his physical peak and is not going to get any better in Barton. But, you know, I, I think if you're a team like, like Washington, maybe that's not the ideal package because you're looking for somebody you can kind of rebuild around. But if you're, you know, if you're targeting someone like I don't, Blake Griffin, Kevin Love, one of those type of guys who could conceivably on the mar- be on the market, um, you know, and a team is in search of guys that, that can plug and play and be rotation pieces right away, I, I think there'll be some interest. But yeah, Beal specifically maybe isn't the greatest fit as far as them being the trade partner. Yeah, I think Denver kind of just has to go for it right now yeah. because, I mean, the 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 other established teams in the West that are finals contenders are going to be really good for you know a long time at least like three years while mm-hmm. like the lakers clippers etc and so i think their best chance is to try to strike now before you know these teams have like a year or two of chemistry under their belt yep um but yeah i mean they're in a really good spot no matter what happens they're in a good spot to bring virtually everybody back next year too i mean uh, mason Plumley and, and paul Millsap are both expiring i Plumley could be back at the right price. I mean, he's making fourteen million this year. His next contract, you would think, is not going to pay him that kind of money annually. Um, I think they'll they'll kind of happily say goodbye to Paul Millsap after this year, just just given his age and whatnot. I, I don't think that's really a fit going forward. Um, and they have a you know Jeremy Grant has a player option next year at just over nine million. Kind of hard to say if, if he'll pick that up or not, but they're in a good spot either way. Um, but I do think at some point they they will have to consider selling off a few of those assets. Uh, have you got to see much of Morant? Um, not much actually, and it's hard because I don't I don't put a lot. I think their first game was against was like an overseas team. Yeah, it was I like Maccabi or one of those. Yeah, I don't. It's hard to put a lot of stock in that, but his passing has has looked really good. Yeah, that's what struck me so far. Um, I watched a little bit of their game the other night. Didn't see much of the the Maccabi one, but he he looks really small i guess if there's one negative to start out with it's like he is no i mean it's the same thing that trey young went through last year too and he you know young i thought even looked smaller at oklahoma whereas morant against college competition didn't look that tiny but he i mean it's very clear that he's at some point gonna have to add weight and, and i'm confident that he will in the long term but he i mean thus far the the passing like you said is what is what's really stood out i mean he's he was over one uh in 19 minutes from three uh, against Maccabi but had seven assists a lot of those are you know the highlight type of plays that you want to see from a guy that you took number two overall right um I mean he had a, a really nice kind of no look pass on the baseline in that game he's been running in transition already seems to have a decent amount of chemistry with Jaron Jackson so I mean from a fantasy perspective I think this is probably about what we expected um maybe a little bit more three-point production given how many he took at the college level but um I, I don't expect to see a ton of explosive scoring performances for Moran I mean not that he's not capable of it but I, I think he almost seems more comfortable setting guys up getting to the rim not to finish but to, to pass off at the last second for an easy layup right um, so I think we'll see a lot of that and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up you know being top five to seven in the league in assists per game yeah I mean I, I think that's realistic I mean you know it through um, you know basically through these these first two games he's averaging only 13 shots per 36 minutes which is not a lot um but 15 you know over 15 and a half assists um I guess it's yeah it's a little bit of a concern that he is not really shooting threes or getting to the free throw line mm-hmm. um you know and that's something even though Trey Young is undersized he gets to the free throw line a lot and so if Morant you know if Morant's not really shooting threes he's not really getting to the free throw line 
it'll be fine if he's just a good passer, but you know, you'd, you'd like to see more aggressiveness in the preseason, I, I would say. Yeah, and especially when both of your games have come against inferior competition, you know, you'd think you'd like to take advantage of that a little bit more. Um, although, in, I mean, in that the New Zealand game the other night, there there really weren't a ton of fouls being called. They, they sure. did kind of let them play. I don't. I mean, we've seen it kind of go both ways with some of these games. Um, but right, I mean, the lack of free throw attempts. We we talked about that with Lonzo. I don't. I don't think it's going to be that kind of issue. No. For Morant, sure. um, but certainly you'd like to see you know, maybe a little bit more aggressiveness when it comes to scoring, but I think all signs for him have been pretty encouraging so far. RJ Barrett, 17 points, seven rebounds, three assists in his debut. I thought he looked really good. Um, six of 13 from the field. You know, I, I did not watch that game live. And when I saw he had 17 points, I fully expected to check the box score and see that he was like 19 six, six of 22, not <laughs> six of 13. But I mean, by his standards, a hyper-efficient night, three of five at the line, two of six from three um i'm I'm encouraged by rj baird i I think you know we've said multiple times on this podcast we do not expect much out of the new york knicks this year but i i think he's i think he's going to be a beacon of hope for what's going to be an otherwise you know pretty hapless franchise yeah we uh we saw him in person at summer league and even though he wasn't shooting very well like it was very noticeable how well he used his body how physical he was he looked like he looked like an nba player out there like he passed the eye test um which is something um that sometimes gets lost in mm-hmm. like all the stats not to be like an anti-analytics right. person well he's one of those guys you can tell has been brought up you know in the kind of the olymp you know he's been training with team canada forever he's been playing in these big you know overseas tournaments forever um he just doesn't look he didn't look like a college player at duke and he didn't look like a, a rookie really in summer league like the 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 ability to use his body not even around the rim but just like kind of the James Hardeny mm-hmm. way that he'll you know snake around a pick and use the in and out dribble and and kind of stop and go um, you just don't see that from a lot of rookies especially guys his size so I mean there's going to be games where he he goes two of fifteen I'm almost sure of it but I think he's going to have a lot of really really encouraging nights but I mean thus far we've seen one preseason game too early to to draw too many conclusions but. Um, I think, you know, what we said about a lot of these guys, what we expected coming in, um, in terms of their strengths and weaknesses have basically been what they've shown so far. Right. And, you know, like you mentioned, there's the confidence in RJ Barrett as a rookie is, is kind of wavering. And we were talking before the pod, his ADP range on NFBKC is 39 to 130, which I can't believe is real. Um, it's not surprising though really it's it's not um you know he could he's one of those make or break fantasy guys like without a question depending on where you draft him do not draft him 39th overall i I I caution you that cannot endorse drafting him at 39 i could you know where's the highest you would go like just a range um i i think i would feel comfortable in like the like 70 at the very earliest like yeah i'll take like 74 um i'd feel comfortable in like 85 feels right to me like it's like when when the other rookies start coming off the board, like you know, Morant will typically go a little bit ahead of him, and yep. then and then there's kind of this gap of like, he's pretty much the consensus third rookie to come off the board in most drafts that I've done, at least. I mean, we've seen some yeah. like people who really love Brandon Clark, like myself, would would consider that uh, sure. as an option too. But and it really depends on your league settings. You know, if you're if you're in a league that doesn't count field goal percentage, league. like go get him. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, then you can go considerably higher. Thirty nine is probably still a little too high. Um, but if there's if there's one player who I expect to be insulated from what promises to be like a pretty disgusting Knicks rotation, like I think it's going to be him. Like I really, I'm, Kevin Knox played like 40 minutes a game at points last he year, so terrible. I assume they're doing he was the same with the Barry. worst player in the NBA who played the amount of minutes that he played, right. and it really wasn't close. So, I you know I could see like Dennis Smith getting squeezed out at times. I could see 
Bobby Portis not playing as much as maybe some people want. But like, I, I just, if there's one guy who, that there's almost like this un, unspoken mandate, like this guy has to play, it, it feels like it's going to be Barrett. I think so. Uh, in that game, they played Washington, the Knicks did, in their first preseason game. Thomas Bryant, 14 points, 14 rebounds, two steals, two blocks, one steal, or two assists, excuse me, two blocks and one steal in 27 minutes. I think Thomas Bryant is is like the real deal. <laughs> I've been I've been beating this drum I think since last the like last season ended. Yeah, end of last season. Um, to build on that, he's played two games in per thirty six minute stats. Twenty point six points, seventeen point nine rebounds, three point six assists, one point eight blocks per thirty six. Um, he's, he's not just a bad team, good stats guy either. I think he might actually be good. No, he's not. And not to do the hipster thing, I've like since he's been on the since the Lakers let him go, like I've. You know who the Lakers uh, could really use right now? Thomas Bryant. If they had Thomas Bryant and Zubac. um, No, I the um, the Wizards center rotation is just it's an embarrassment beyond Thomas Bryant. I mean, it's you're looking at like Jan Mahinmi and Mo Wagner. Wagner actually looked pretty decent um, the other night, but I don't really think he's going to be stealing any minutes from from Thomas Bryant. And um, yeah, he's he's just. I don't know. How, he just gets it done. Like he's he's hyper efficient. Can score twenty points a game, like any given night. Um, you know, he's someone that I've seen go off the board in drafts or as early as like forty. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, I think it's possible. Uh, I I wouldn't draft him there. It's probably peak value. But he's he seems like the real deal. And if Bradley Beal, you know, if Bradley Beal eventually gets traded off of this team, and the Wizards don't get anything meaningful back, Thomas Bryant's going to turn to like the second best offensive option. And yeah who even, i mean that's a what very that realistic scenario even, like how it, it's just going to be like how absurd of stats can thomas bryant put up yeah i mean it's like i mean we would literally be looking at a situation where it's like he's running pick and rolls with jordan mccray <laughs> and like i mean if Ish smith is hurt then maybe it's it that that roster if and when they trade beal and you know like you said depending what they get back and chances are they're they'll, they'll get at least one good piece but if they take a you know a really young players or picks oriented package um i mean that could get really ugly and i, I don't think they're going to trade thomas bryant at this point I, I think you know maybe maybe that would make some sense if you want to just go full fire sale and start over around around john wall <laughs> um but I, I think given how cheap thomas bryant is i mean he's trade, only 22 yeah right I, I i don't see any reason why they would you know look to move on from him at all um okay we just have a bunch of other notes do you want to run through some of these quickly before we head out uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I saw, um, you know, DeAndre Ayton looked really good. Uh, 18 points, 13 rebounds, two blocks in 21 minutes, though he did not take a three. Kind of disappointing. Um, Rubio had 11 and five in 20 minutes. That was that's pretty nice. Um, I I feel like Rubio could have a bounce back year. I'm I, out on Rubio. Okay, you're out on Rubio. I'm in on Rubio. Um, but if he wasn't in phoenix i would agree i just nobody nobody <laughs> goes to phoenix and has a bounce back year right what's the uh, opposite except, of bounce back except here? dario sarge um but and so i want i also no. want to highlight russell westbrook uh i know he's coming off like a i don't like a it was like a knee a knee scope knee scope uh he's played two games he's averaging four rebounds per 36 minutes not great for that triple double record uh eight assists to 7.2 turnovers and he's shooting 23 percent from three uh very on in other words he's red hot he's red he's red hot he had 22 points this morning uh in a win over toronto um a lot of that you know just coming through his usual attacking style but yeah four turnovers three of 11 from three he is shooting 75 percent from the line though 
Yeah, I mean, that's him being able to shoot competently from the free throw line is really what will bring his mm-hmm. fantasy value back up. Do you, I mean, would you, do you think if, if you're the Rockets, uh, this was a game, you know, to be fair, James Harden was one of eight from three. You know, Chris Clemens was two of nine from three off the bench. So, I mean, it was, it was just kind of a chuck fest. They were 17 of 64 <laughs> as a team from beyond the arc in a game that they won by seven points. Um, if you're the Rockets, do you want Westbrook? bombing away like if you're d'antoni are you saying like keep shooting keep shooting do you want him taking 10 or 11 threes even even if we're just talking about the preseason to kind of get into the swing of things like if you're a guard or a wing in this offense that's just how it's been since james harden's been there you know they haven't really had any guards like westbrook you know every single player they've surrounded harden with has kind of fit the eric gordon type of archetype you know maybe not as good as eric gordon but guys who at least play that style and you know obviously there are big question marks with with westbrook's fit next to harden I think you kind of want him shooting it, but at some point, as we saw in OKC, yeah, there's like there's a line where you know you, you there's like negative spacing. You know, you want you want him to shoot it for spacing reasons, but if he's taking double digit threes and only making two or three of them every game, I, I think at that point, it, you know, it becomes more detrimental than the space that you're providing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's tough to gauge. Like I feel like if he went three for nine every night, that would be okay. But sure. that's also going to be there's also going to be some games where he goes two for eleven you know three for 14 like Alford, i don't yeah I, I i really just don't know so it's going to be interesting to like see if that sticks because if that does stick then it's probably gonna really hurt his field goal percentage and if he's not rebounding like he has his his variance in like fantasy value this year is really high like considering the new team structure if the rebounds are an issue it's 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 a really tough call but i'm sure mm-hmm. he, i mean he's he's gonna be a huge part of the offense no matter what points leagues obviously like you know he's the he's the man do you think he's willing to give up the rebounds finally uh i don't know you would think three straight years of averaging a triple double would be enough i you know my gut tells me that clint capella would not be as easy to bully as stephen adams and to like hey give me all these rebounds but i agree even though like on paper that like Steven Adams seems like the one guy you, you wouldn't want to do that to. Oh, that's what I'm saying. Although, like, yeah. he seemed down for it. Never, <laughs> never once complained. If anything, like, ha- was, like, an active helper in this. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I It's really tough to say because, I mean, so much of it, as has been documented with Westbrook, is effort with the rebounds. And there's a decent chance we're just not seeing it because it's the preseason, because he's still working back from the knee. Yeah. Um, you know, so, I like you said, there's a, a ton of variance with him. I've seen him go as high as, I mean – five or six in points leagues sure which if yeah. he's not giving you 10 rebounds maybe that's all of a sudden too high probably i would rather have drummond over him at that point yeah, yeah um, at least you know there's a guarantee there right javel mcgee i uh, did not know this i have not verified this personally but you wrote here that he is averaging 23 and a half rebounds and 8.2 blocks and steals per 36 minutes that is happening um double checking that right now because that still seems like oh, it's combined blocks and steals yeah um yeah that still oh, yeah. seems crazy that's very correct um i uh i don't know how this is possible i, I was a little worried about dwight howard coming in uh but i the the way the lakers rotation has been panning out i don't think the center rotation is going to like i don't i don't think what's happening right now in the preseason is going to change very much once the regular season comes i think javel's basically going to play 24 and i think dwight's going to play 24 they don't have much other choice no, they don't. If they're I, really committed to playing Anthony Davis at center or at, at power forward. I, I do think as the season goes on, um, 
Yeah, at, at some point they'll kind of shoehorn Davis into the center spot, whether he likes it or not. I, I think it's just going to prove to be the vastly better option. But I, I think they're going to try to get by as much as they can without having to do that, right? And I don't, I don't think you want JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard playing much more than 24 minutes. You know, they're, they're both guys who have proven JaVale especially to be effective in low doses. And JaVale's effectiveness, once you get over 20, 25 minutes, drops off dramatically. Um, you know, of course, Dwight has a, a better pedigree in that regard, but that was... I mean, that feels like forever ago. That feels like a completely different Dwight Howard. And he looks noticeably skinnier, by the way. He does. I didn't. Much skinnier. The first preseason game, I had no idea who it was. Yeah, like well, the number he, 39 thing doesn't help either. And the mutton chops. Right. But normally you would see Dwight Howard walk on the he's, court. No matter what he was wearing, you'd be like, oh, Dwight's here. Right. He's not as physically imposing at all. He used to he be. He looks like a power forward. Right. Now. I mean, in a league of guys that are crazy chiseled, he was on another level. And yeah, now he just kind of looks like another big man. It's weird. Yeah. I thought he looked fine, though, in that uh, his highlights from the first game against Golden State. Um, maybe not super explosive, which which isn't, you know, a, a huge surprise. He had a couple of dunks, but he also had a few, you know, pick and roll type of scenarios where he's he's catching kind of, you know, right around the restricted area. And two or three years ago, you know, he he goes up for a huge dunk. And instead, he was, you know, kind of floating it over defenders. And, and it, it was effective. You know, he got to line right. a few times. He, he looked, I thought, probably better than most people expected. But... Uh, it does look like he's at about like 70 or 80 percent explosiveness relative to to peak Dwight, which I guess given his age and, and given all the injuries that that probably makes sense. Um, any other of these that you want to highlight? I mean, there's there's so many of them. I <laughs> um, I mean, Siakam's playing really well. Yep. Um, you know, two games per 36, 29.5 points, 13.3 rebounds, 5.9 assists, 2.2 steals. Yep, He's been um, very good. No just, Lowry for Toronto yet. Yep. Um, Thomas Sagaransky basically averaging a triple-double through two preseason games. Uh, Bam Adebayo has been scoring uh, 20 points per 36 minutes, two preseason games. I guess one um, probably worth highlighting here, the, I mean, the Hawks bench is really bad. Like, I have no idea who's going to get minutes for the Hawks bench. Is it going to be Alan Crabb, Jabari Parker, um, you know, DeAndre Bembry's there, Chandler Parsons exists, but DeAndre Bembry has been playing especially well. Um, per 36, these two games, 8.5 points, eight rebounds, 5.6 assists, four steals. I feel like maybe he's the one that ends up emerging as like the sixth man, you know, 26, 27, 28 minutes per game in this Hawks mm-hmm. rotation. Um, although I think Jabari has a legitimate shot at that as well. Um, and maybe it just ends up being like less Evan Turner than we think. And more like DeAndre Bembry playing mm-hmm. some point guard because he he has shown an ability to pass. And I feel like you could probably, I mean, you definitely could get him with the last pick in your draft. Yeah, um, I would say that's almost a given. Uh, I mean, to be fair, Kevin Herter's been out. He's been dealing with like a minor knee issue. Evan Turner's had that Achilles issue. Um, so we, we've kind of been seeing a an abbreviated version of what this rotation might right. be. But the guy, if you if you watch either of these Hawks games. Bembry seems to be out there constantly like he's right. he's you know when Trey Young is off the court or when they're being conservative with him it's Bembry who who kind of seems to have the ball in his hands all the time so th- that wouldn't really be all that surprising you know if he ends up being the sixth guy probably worth noting that DeAndre Hunter looks like he has the early advantage over Reddish again not surprising no. um, but he he kind of looks like he's just going to be a plug and play guy right away which is great from a real basketball perspective I mean everything you hear uh, out of Atlanta is that he you know, he reminds people of Kawhi Leonard um I would doubt that we're going to get another Kawhi Leonard but we'll see um I, I think long term you know Reddish is probably the guy 
that I'm most anxious to see like where he is in five years. I, I don't, I think Deandre Hunter has a very high floor and a very low ceiling. You sure. know, his, his like absolute ceiling is like an auto Porter type, um, which, you know, which would be pretty good, but I, I don't know if he's ever even going to be that diverse on offense. Um, but the fact that they're seemingly comfortable, you know, probably starting him right away at, at the three, I think says a lot. Um, but yeah, this is going to be an interesting team there. I, I think a lot of people, kind of want to pencil them in as maybe that eight seed in the east after what they showed last year but i mean as you said like they're not super deep and they're going to struggle in areas defensively you know they're always going to struggle defending point guards as long as trey young is their point guard um so i i think i'm a little bit lower on atlanta than than a lot of people seem to be their margin for error is razor thin with their rotation now that i mean they're they're in the easiest division in basketball i think and that's always going to help them they're in the easiest division in the easiest conference uh so that 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 plays into their advantage um uh, another note in case anybody was worried about bertans oh i was uh what's the news he's averaging 16.3 excuse me 16.9 three-point attempts per 36 minutes this preseason uh he was throwing up some like irresponsible (laughs) three-pointers in the in the highlights that i saw Uh, good but i think that's what we all want uh uh, Jalil Okafor has actually looked surprisingly yes. good. 26 points uh, per 36 minutes on 81% shooting. Uh, he's just like every time he touches it, he scores. Yeah. I uh, was not expecting that. I, uh, I watched that game between Pelicans and the Hawks the other night, and they multiple times were, were billing this as Jalil Okafor versus Javari Parker, two oh, former man. high school rivals. I didn't even think about that. Like both, both like sadly <laughs> coming off the bench for teams that have a lot more talented players. Um, but no, he, I mean, we kind of joke about Oak Four, and it's going to take him a while to like not be a punchline based on how things went early on. But these last couple of years, he's—I mean, he doesn't even look like the same guy, you know, physically. No. He's yeah. a completely reinvented player, and I, I don't know that it's going to be in New Orleans based on the the roster that they have. But I would hope at some point he gets another shot, maybe not to be a starting center, but to be a guy who isn't just you know, playing big minutes when your star player requests a trade, you know, somebody who's really in the rotation. And I think it's kind of going to be the same story for him this year, where if Derek Favors is hurt or, you know, another front court player goes down, you know, maybe they'll prioritize Jackson Hayes at some point. Um, But I I would be interested to see, you know, in a year or two, if he can maybe land like a a legitimate backup job somewhere. Yeah. And he's only 24 years old. Mm -hmm. It would, it would just really like be unfortunate if he got like, you know greg monroe out of the league right um i think he was on his way to doing that and credit to him seems to have at least you know not not fully reinvented himself but i think had he not made the changes physically that he had he was you know going to be the next greg monroe right terry rosier um two games per 36 minutes 21 points eight assists six and a half rebounds one and a half steals he, I mean, some, a lot of these per 36 stats, you know, kind of end up being exaggerated because a lot of these guys aren't going to play 36 minutes, but Terry Rozier very easily could might, for yeah. a team. I might play 39 minutes. Who knows? Um, so again, these are, you know, two preseason games, but um, a, a preview perhaps of, of what to expect for him. I would, I, I would say 20 points is, is like a, a solid over under, you know, if you, I, I would maybe go slightly under on that. I don't think he's going to get to eight assists in the regular season, you know, probably somewhere between five and a half and seven and a half seems a little more realistic, uh, but he always has rebounded well for a guard. And, and I think there's a lot of value there. The steals are always going to be good. Um, but as we've said multiple times, when it, when it comes to his value, it's, it's going to be all about, um, you know, whether he can avoid shooting 38% from the field again. Yeah. He's got a pretty, um, like his, his ADP is pretty 
it's everyone's taking them like 61 to 79. I think that's just, that's where people are comfortable taking that risk. And I think that's fair. He hasn't his, gone higher than 61. No. Interesting. Um, not on NFBKC. No. So, um, I think people are just worried about the field goal percentage. Uh, but you know, yeah, he's a good, he's a good, I mean, he is, his, his passing isn't great, but he feels like a sneaky triple double guy. So, you know, I mean, it, it might be worth it. I mean, he's definitely going to be like a really popular DFS guy. Like he's just going to be like 7,500 every mm-hmm. single day. Um, yeah. I mean, he had a triple double, I think it was two years ago now already. Right. Um, I think it was against the Knicks, but I mean, he, he is a guy that when the minutes have been there has always been counting stat productive. And I, I think this, this is kind of what he's basically asked for for this last like year and a half. Like, <laughs> I'm glad he got it. Yeah, I, he does seem like one of those guys who is just totally happy to be the best player on a bad team as opposed to being like a bit player for a good team. Um, and, you know, I mean, when you're coming off the bench, uh, you can't fault a guy for wanting to be a starter. But, uh, yeah, boy, is he going to be the best player for that team. Yes. Uh, all right. I think that's all we got. Um, we have, what, five more games on the schedule tonight. We had those two games in China this morning. Uh, the New Zealand breakers i think some new yeah. zealand team is playing okc uh some team that's abbreviated mch is playing portland i have no idea what that is oh i think it's Maccabi. sure i think so very well could be uh phoenix is at sacramento minnesota at golden state that one's on nba tv and then denver at la so mm-hmm. might have to hop on the old stream and try to catch a little bit more of michael porter tonight Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.